0: So we have been dealing with the subject of unforgiveness and we've been dealing with this for several weeks. As a matter of fact, let's look at our foundational text in Mark chapter 11 verses 25 and 26. Jesus is speaking. Listen to what he says. And when you stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, Neither will your father in heaven, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. I told you over and over again that I love reading these two verses in the Amplified Bible. I just like, I I like, I like the way uh, it says it. Listen to what it says here. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. In order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your failings and shortcomings. You know, I am I am really convinced that unforgiveness is the reason behind a lot of emotional health problems uh, that a lot of people face today. Unforgiveness, and, and we talked about this in the beginning, it's, it's like it's, it's deadly and it'll rob you of your peace. It'll rob you of your wholeness. It'll rob you of soundness of mind. And uh, I, I tell you what I have found out and found out that this subject is such a difficult area, even for some believers. I've had people to talk to me even as, since I've been teaching this uh, series. And they say, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been challenged by this series. But that's good. Growth is always challenging, but we're better on the other side of it. And it's, it's so necessary that we deal with the difficult areas in life. Now, we, we've been talking about this. We talked about the root of unforgiveness, which is offense. Uh, we talked about why we should forgive And then last week we talked about how to forgive. If you haven't uh, been with us, you need to go back and listen to those messages. Today, I want to talk about forgiveness from the standpoint of what it is and what it is not. We're going to talk about what it is and what it is not. Now, unforgiveness means to hold a grudge. It means to uh, keep a record of an offense that uh, has happened to you or some kind of wrong that's happened to you. And again, I, I want to say to you that it's possible to be sick and not know it. And it's possible to be operating in unforgiveness and not really know it. Now, in a previous lesson, I... um. I, I, I did some symptoms, I think it was for bitterness, and some of these symptoms are gonna overlap, but I wanna, I wanna look at some of the symptoms of unforgiveness. I'm gonna ask some questions. Um, again, some of these will, will overlap the other questions that I asked, but I want us to kinda check ourselves. This is gonna be like an exploratory surgery. We're gonna, we're gonna see what we got going on in our hearts. Number one, are you unable to hear someone's name or be in someone's presence without becoming flooded with negative emotions? Number two, do you dwell on the hurts of the past? You have this obsessive preoccupation with an, with an event surrounding an offense, and, or you have this preoccupation with something that someone has done to you, and you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. Is there a coldness? These are symptoms. Is there a coldness towards a person that's offended you? Number four, is there an uneasiness in a relationship that was formerly open and warm? Number five, is there anyone that you're not talking to or speaking to on purpose? Number six, is there anyone that you would like to see suffer? I'll leave that there for a second. Is there anyone that you want to see suffer? Number seven, do you have any thoughts of revenge on someone? And number eight, do you often talk about those who wrong you? You see, when you're constantly, listen to me, when you're constantly telling people about people that have wronged you, that is a symptom of unforgiveness. So, Pastor, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness means to pardon, it means to release, it means to set free, it means to let go, it means to, listen to this, liberate completely. Forgiveness means to forfeit any right to hold a person captive for the wrong that they've committed. I'm gonna say that again. Forgiveness means to forfeit any right to hold a person captive for wrong they've committed. Now, this subject of forgiveness is multifaceted. In other words, it has a lot of size. And I found out in teaching, uh, I found out that one of the best ways to teach somebody something or one of the best ways to teach uh, what something is, is to tell what it is not. So today, that's what I'm, I'm going to focus my attention on today. I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. This lesson it's going to balance out the rest of the lessons. What forgiveness is not. This is important because, you know, let me tell you something. We can run to the altar and we can release people from our hearts. But if we really don't understand this subject of forgiveness, we can possibly put ourselves in some dangerous positions. So let's deal with what forgiveness is not. I'm going to give you a few. Number one, listen to this. Forgiveness is not approval of what the offender did. You see, when, when Jesus commands us to forgive, he's not telling us to approve what was done to us. Number two, forgiveness, and you need to write these down. Forgiveness is not closing your eyes to wrong. In other words, It's not pretending like the offense didn't happen in other uh, or you could say it like this It's not denial. Number three, (laughs) this was going to be a little interesting. Forgiveness is not not reporting a crime. (laughs) Let me say it again. Forgiveness is not not reporting the crime. You know. What happens with us is we go from one extreme to the other. Either we're full of bitterness, and then we hear a message on forgiveness, and then we go all the way to the other extreme where we don't hold people accountable. Listen, if folk commit crimes, there must be some type of punishment and rehabilitation. If not, what we do is we leave them to do the same thing to somebody else. So forgiveness is not not reporting a crime. Number four. Forgiveness is not covering up what others have done. It's not covering up what others have done. It's not making excuses for people. If you're related to somebody that's, that's just out of control, they may be your cousin, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. They're just out of control. Forgiveness is not covering up for them. If they're wrong, they're wrong. It could be your children. Lord, don't touch on them cheering. It could be your children if they're wrong, they're wrong and forgiveness is not covering up for them. Calm down, Steve. Number five, (laughs) forgiveness is not repression. Repression does not mean release. When you repress something, uh, it could pop up at any time, at any time. So forgiveness is not repression. Number six, I'm going to spend some time on number six. And I'm not going to be too long today, but I'm going to spend some time on number six. Forgiveness is not submitting to abuse. I'm going to leave that there for a second. Forgiveness is not submitting to abuse. Now, can I just talk to my sisters for a minute? Because some of y'all think that submitting to abuse is godly. Let, Let me show you something. Uh... Turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21. And domestic abuse is a, a major problem in this country, and it's a serious problem. Uh, so I just need to touch on this for a second. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through twenty. 4 Listen what it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the savior of the body therefore as the church is subject unto Christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself himself for the church. Now, I need to deal with this because, I and mean, again, because I said to you that there's a major problem in our country with domestic abuse and even in, in the church. Uh, there's men that abuse their wives and they'll take this scripture here. Uh, to justify their, their ungodly. The end of verse 24 says that the wives, listen to what it says, the wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So, everything means everything. So does that mean that the wife has to submit to abuse? The Bible says in everything. So does that mean that he can cuss her out? Does that mean that he can shove her Does that mean that he can kick her? Because the Bible says that she has to submit to him in everything, right? Isn't that what we just read? Yes, the text says that she must submit to him in everything, but that's not all it says. See, you can't stop. And this is what happens a lot of times with with, with the Bible, people Take scriptures out of context or they don't read the entire text. You can't stop reading right there. at Verse number 24. Listen to what it says in verse number 25. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, for it. Go to verses 28 and 29. So are the husbands to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So when the Bible says that the wife, listen to this, sisters, when the Bible says that the wife should submit to her husband in everything, that everything has to be qualified. And what's the qualification? The qualification is right there in verse number 25. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So, this is not submission to abuse. This is submission to love. Mm. It's not submission to abuse. It's submission to love. You see, Christ loves the church. Christ doesn't kick the church. Christ doesn't cuss the church out. Christ doesn't slap the church. Christ doesn't shove the church. So this is not submission to abuse. This is submission to love. Now, sisters, when you have a husband that loves you like Christ loved the church, then you are to submit to him. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's but, Forgiveness does not mean submitting to abuse. Brothers, can, can I just say this to you? A, a real man, a real man has enough control to walk away. All right, let me let me let, let me move on to the next one. Number seven, forgiveness is not confrontation avoidance. Forgiveness is not confrontation avoidance. Let me show you this. Go to Matthew eighteen and fifteen. I think we looked at this the other day uh, in another lesson. Matthew. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's tight, but it's right, brothers. Eighteen and fifteen. Listen what what Jesus says here. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Go and tell him. Let me stop. Let me stop just for a second and go back to the abuse thing. Sisters, let me say this to you. You should not abuse your husbands either. Oh yeah, I need to say that too. No, you you, you have no business putting your hands on that man. Brother have the brothers have no business putting his hands on a woman, and sisters keep your hands. To your, I'm saying that because we got some some girls that can, can throw them hands. Look, ah, look, none of you are supposed to be getting physical in that way. Keep your hands to yourself when you keep your hands to yourself. Stop, stop hitting on each other. Okay, let me let me. Let me. Let me go on to to this. I'm sorry. I I got distracted. I just had a thought. Um, Verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Scripture says, if you've been wronged by someone, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So if that's the case, that means that forgiveness is not confrontation avoidance. And and, and this is where a lot of us mess up. We go for weeks, we go for months, and sometimes we go for years with stuff in our hearts against people. Look, it's amazing how we get offended. And we don't say anything. We don't. We don't say anything to the person. And my question is: How do you justify this with this scripture? Jesus says, "If your brother trespass against you, he says, go and tell him between you and him alone." So how do we go for weeks? How do we go for months? How do we go for even years and not say anything to that person? See, l- listen to this: to not come confront in love is just as sinful as the offense. Oh, boy. I spent that around on you, didn't I? To not confront in love is just as sinful as the offense. If we can get together between the two of us, we can cut this thing off really quick and we'll keep it from spreading. But if, you know, that's not what we do. What we do is we tell somebody else and we do just the opposite of what Jesus tells us to do. Listen, if I hurt you, I'm just talking about me. If I hurt you, don't go walking around hurt. Don't go telling everybody else and don't tell me. Let, I would never deliberately hurt anybody. But if I, I hurt you, you need to come and talk to me. The Bible says this, because sometimes uh, we are hurt by people and the people that hurt us don't even know that they've done it. You know, and the Bible says this, that we're supposed to cast down imaginations and everything that uh, exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought uh, to the obedience of Christ. What happens when we don't confront in love? What happens is when we procrastinate in confronting It gives the devil an opportunity to build negative images in our minds. And the more we think about it, the bigger it gets, and it can ultimately become a stronghold. Now, let me tell you this. There's no guarantee that when you go to your brother, it's going to impact that person. But at least you're free. it's, It's for your benefit. You've got to be free of this stuff that's in your heart. Number eight, Mm. forgiveness. Hold on now. I want you to hear this. Forgiveness is not trust. I can forgive you and not trust you. You see, trust is based upon honesty, consistency, and accountability. Trust has to be built based on honesty, consistency, and accountability. I can't trust you, and you can't trust me if I'm not honest. And then there must be some consistency. There must be some accountability. When somebody says, well, if you, you forgive me, you ought to trust me. No, 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 no. Trust has to be built. I've had, I have people in my life. I have people uh, whom I've forgiven. But I no longer trust them because they've chosen to continue the same negative pattern that caused the distrust, which leads to my next point and I'm closing forgiveness is not restoration let's say that you're married and you you've been separated because the vows have been broken, but then you you come. To church, You come into a service like this and you listen to a message on forgiveness. You then confess, Lord, I forgive him or I forgive her. And you leave the service and you run back into that relationship. The truth is you could get hurt. Listen, listen to this. Restoration has to be based on repentance. Counseling change and time. Restoration has to be built on repentance, counseling, change and time. Repentance is a change of mind. The mind has to be renewed. And let me tell you this, if folks don't want counseling, it's not time to be restored. Restoration has conditions that have to be met. A person that wants to get it right wants counseling. You know why? The scripture says wise folks seek knowledge. Go to Proverbs 11 and 14. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 11 and 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Let me say it again. Where no counsel is, the people fall. This is Proverbs 11 and 14. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So there must be some counseling. And you must listen, there must be some wise counsel. <laughs> Yeah, you you got to you can't just counsel with anybody. You you got to I say this all the time, we're not to judge people, but we've got to be fruit inspectors. Now, if I'm a, I'm going to have you counseling me, I've got to see some some evidence on your life. I can't let you just tell me how to live my life and you have no evidence on 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 your own life. I need to be a fruit What kind of fruit are you bearing? <laughs> If I need some help in my marriage, I don't need, I don't need somebody that can't hold their marriage together. I need counsel, but I need some wise counsel. And then there must be a change in action. There's got to be a change, consistent change in action. And then there must be some time. Woo, see this is what we don't this is what this is what we don't want. And now I, I can t- I can talk uh from the standpoint of a man. I can't I can't speak on women, but I know us men. We we do this. We mess up and we want we want our spouses to heal qu- quick. <laughs> Look, man. we want, "Hey man, come on, you 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 ain't you ain't healed yet." We create this sore. <laughs> Uh, and it, it doesn't just have to be men people in general we create this sore spot and then we expect people to heal at the pace we want them to heal healing takes time it takes time listen the principle is seed time and harvest I sow the seed of repentance I get some counseling and I change And then there's some time. And then I get the harvest of restoration. See, the problem comes in when folk want harvest, but they don't want to sow the seed. Can't you see why this this lesson is necessary? So, forgiveness does not eradicate responsibility. The best way to step forward in forgiveness is to admit that you need to forgive be honest with the Lord and ask him to reveal anything that uh, any, any thinking that you may have in, in your heart and your mind about unforgiveness. So we've learned what forgiveness is and we've learned what it's not. We need balance. We've got to have some balance, but we cannot, we can't afford to walk around with this stuff in our hearts. We learned today that there are some conditions for, for it, but from the, from the natural standpoint, but we've got to make sure that our hearts are clean. I cannot afford, I can absolutely not, absolutely not afford to hold anyone in my heart. I gotta leave it, let it go. And let it drop. Let's pray. God, today, thank you for your word. We are not just hearers, but we are doers of your word. There are many watching right now that have been dealing with this issue of unforgiveness. And I thank you today that they've been set free. I declare it right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you now for yokes being destroyed and burdens being lifted because of the anointing. Your anointing is present right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for setting them free. Thank you, God, for setting them free in the name of Jesus. I pray for family relationships. I pray for, the, for relationships that's been destroyed. I thank you now for liberty today in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and glory and honor right now. There's somebody watching now, God, that's been disturbed in their mind because of this Spirit of unforgiveness this disease of unforgiveness They wrestle in their minds They have hard times have a hard time sleeping They have a hard time concentrating on necessary things because they are so preoccupied with this unforgiveness in their heart and I speak to them now in the name of Jesus God, I thank you right now for setting them free. Satan, you're going to take your hands off of that person in Jesus' name. God, I thank you right now that they're being set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. I give you praise and glory and honor. I thank you for the testimonies that will come because you set them free today. And I declare there will be no more sleepless nights. There will be no more uneasiness in their hearts. And they will have a sound mind in the name of Jesus. Glory to your name, God. I love you and I honor you today for it. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. Now, God, I pray for every person that's watching. I claim everybody for your kingdom. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, I claim them for your kingdom right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Not just in this service, but in every ministry, every church that's opening your name. I claim today that your kingdom will increase. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory and honor for that. I pray for the people that's been in a backslidden condition. I thank you that they're coming back to you today. Thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and thank God. Look, look, let me extend this invitation to you. Hallelujah to God. Man, let me tell you, let me tell you, and I'm going to extend an invitation to men. I feel right now that people are being set free. I'm telling you, I feel right now that, that, that chains are falling off of people that have been in bondage. Hallelujah to God. I want you to Make sure you, you reach out to me and, 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 and let me know. I want to I testify to the goodness of God. I'm telling you, chains are being broken and destroyed and people are set free right now in the name of Jesus. Glory to God, glory to, I, by way of the spirit, man, I can hear the chains falling, hallelujah. Thank you, I mean, people have been locked up in their minds, locked up in their hearts, locked up emotionally. I hear the chains falling right now, glory to God. Thank you Jesus, thank you Lord, thank you Lord. Let me extend this invitation man. Uh, if you're watching me, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says that if you can believe in your heart and you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you can be saved and you can be saved this morning. So today, day is so simple. All you need to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and make Jesus Lord of your life and you can be saved today. I know, I know the devil tries to make it seem like it's so hard, you can't come to God right now because you're involved in this, that, or the other. Listen, you come to God just like you are. He'll meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. If you give him your life, he'll change your life. I'm telling you what I know, I'm telling you from experience. Today, make Jesus Lord of your life. Make Jesus Lord of your life. If you want to do that, I want you to, to, to repeat this simple prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I ask you for forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that He was buried. And I believe that He rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. And I invite you to come into my heart and come into my life. I trust you and I will follow you as my Lord and my Savior. If you have believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to the kingdom of God. There's some information right there on the screen where you can follow those directions. And I'm going to have somebody to reach out to you. But most importantly, I'm excited about your future. I'm excited about your future. Welcome to God's kingdom. Now, you may be watching. You're saying, well, pastor, at some point I gave my life to the Lord, but I am not where I should be as it relates to my walk with God. I'm, I'm in a backslidden condition. Guess what? God still loves you. You can come back to him today. And if you want to come back to God, you want to recommit your life to to the Lord, you can uh, follow those same directions. I'm going to have somebody to, to reach out to you and pray with you and give you scripture. But today, I want you to know that God is standing with his arms outstretched saying, come on home, let me love you back to your proper place. And then you may be watching and you're saying, well, Pastor, I would love to be a part of the Destiny Christian Center family. Listen, I would absolutely love for you to be a part of our family, and if you want to do that, that same information that you see there, you can reach out, and we will have somebody to to contact you. Do that. Do that today, and um, man, I'm I, we would just be excited about having you to be a part of the the Destiny Christian Center family. Man, can we thank God for the word, and can we thank God that people have been delivered on? today. Hallelujah to God. Thank God for deliverance. And I mean that. I'm serious about that. I know that deliverance happened in this service today. All right, let's prepare to worship and giving. We are a ministry that believes the word of God. We practice God's word and we are blessed because of our obedience to the word of God. The Bible says tithe and offering. That's what we do. We have no gimmicks. We have no schemes. We just do the word and God blesses us because of our obedience. I'm trying to get my, my app up here so I can get ready to give myself. I don't just teach this, but I practice it. Listen, listen, uh, there's some information on the screen where you can text to give or you can give online. We are a ministry that believes the word of God. We, we practice it. We're blessed because of it. No gimmicks, no schemes. We just do the word. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to be a true, committed, consistent tither. you hear me? Consistent. Consistency is the key to the breakthrough. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. The Lord says, bring ye all the tithe and offering into the storehouse. He says, prove me. See will I not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive. He says, I will curse the devourer for your sake. I'm telling you, God means what he says. So I encourage you today to be a true, committed, consistent tither. And a seed soar We are also soaring towards the vision. We are believing God for a debt free destiny dome that will seed over 3,000 people and will be filled with over 3,000 people. So I encourage you to sow towards the vision. That information is right there on the screen. You can text to give or you can give online today. The Bible says that God loves cheerful givers. So let's be cheerful in our giving. I'll give you some time to get that together. And then, we will make our confession. Praise the Lord. There she go. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's make our confession. I'm a true tither and giver, and I am blessed because of it. The windows of heaven are open for me. The blessings of God are poured out upon my life. Will you say this? I have huge money right now. It's pressed down, it's shaken together, and it's running over. We don't confess this to hoard over money, but we believe believing God to bless us so much that we can be a blessing to the kingdom and we can be a blessing to people. Come on, say this with me. I am out of debt. I know you want to be debt free. Come on, let's confess it. I am out of debt. All of my needs are met with a surplus. Can we confess over the dome? Debt-free destiny dome, seated over 3,000 people, filled with over 3,000 people. Come on, by faith, say it's up. Hallelujah to God. Woo, boy, been a good day. Been a great day. It's been a great day, and let me tell you something, it's gonna continue to be a great day. As I started earlier, I wanna say it to you again, something good is gonna happen for you, and claim that, say today, Something good is going to happen for me. I love y'all so much. I'll see you here on Wednesday night. I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Come on, y'all. Give me my little virtual hug. Give it to me. I love you.